welcome to another episode of Block Talk, presented by Theater in the Now. I'm your host, as always, Michael Block. If you love the podcast, make sure you subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, so you never miss an episode, and leave a five-star review while you're there. Also, I have the great honor to announce that Block Talk was nominated for a 2020 Glam Award for Best Podcast. And guess what? You can vote for me to win. Head on over to glamawards.net slash voting and cast your vote for Block Talk as Best Podcast and Elation as Best Digital Series. Voting ends January 20th. And as always, follow me on Instagram at MichaelBlockTalk, on Twitter at BlockTalkNYC, and visit theaterthenow.com for its news, reviews, and interviews. You can find my next guest crooning for you in drag on the World Wide Web, or perhaps a little tied up in a dungeon somewhere in New York City. Say hello to Shirley you Jest. Hello. Thank you so much for having me. It's my honor. It's it, it's been it's been in the making. We've, we we you reached out before, and I was and I was a little busy, but now we got time. We're still in quarantine, sort of in potential lockdown too. If you're listening to this, who knows when? But. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you. I mean, you were probably one of the very first people I uh, met in nightlife. Oh, wow, really? Yeah, because I, I didn't really enter the scene until like 2017, I want to say. Okay, okay, yeah. So, that's excellent. I'm, that, I'm that's when, that <laughs> Yeah, the, the, I feel like that's when your um, rise was coming, because that's when I was doing, doing Lady Liberty and all that stuff. And no, that's excellent. Fixture. I'm excited to talk to you. It's, it's been a while. It really has. I'm, I've been kind of holed up here in Harlem and making some very choice movements outside and all that. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure you, uh, I've uh, been noticing here and there uh, some, some of your projects popping up and seeing your podcast going on. That's wonderful. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah. the wonderful thing about internet that works is you can do things digitally. Um, yes. It may not be the most fun and best way to do it, but you can still do it. Indeed, I like. Um, that. Yeah, it's it's been it's been interesting. I mean, I mean, I took a little bit of a break with the podcast um, in the early part of the quarantine, just because I had a lot of things going on, and I was like, I hate interviewing on Zoom. This is stupid. Because at that time, like crazy, Zoom wasn't perfect yet. Um, so, and I was using Skype, and that was oh, it was it was a mess. But then I was like, you know what? I miss the thing that made people happy. So I did this. I started doing the digital shows you know what we're gonna keep on going absolutely well it's just like i was saying earlier like the this whole time has been a, a moment for us to sort of innovate to take yeah. a look at what we have it's amazing what you can do when you give people a very set structure and say this is what you can't do but here are the things that you can do i, I love absolutely i love what people have come into and what what they have made for themselves simply out of the need to just create yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I wish if I can like go back eight months, um, prepared myself to know that this was going to be a long journey that I, I would have like decided to write more and do that kind of thing. But hindsight 2020, haha, in 2020. So uh -huh. we'll <laughs> see if, if, if there's another lockdown, maybe I'll start doing another creative thing. Yeah. But yeah, this has been a crazy couple months. Uh-huh. Well, and, and uh, it's funny that you mentioned writing because I, I was thinking about the same thing. I, when the lockdown happened, I said, okay, I've got 
all of this and that, and I've got a, a drawer full of half-finished lyrics, and we're going to really make it happen. Uh, mm, There's a lot of just laying back, trying to figure out what happened, trying to, like, deal with this mental grief going on. It was yeah. such a weird time. But I, I like that even though I didn't hop on the stuff that I thought I would, I did, like, start learning and start um, creating for myself. Like, um, doing the Thursday night show has really taught me about how to be a techie again and how mm -hmm. to, uh, and, and to truly appreciate the kind of people that uh, normally would be at a bar, just all right there, a bar manager, a DJ, right. a lighting person. Uh, you know, you, normally all those people would be, at your beck and call or, or you know, not, I, I shouldn't say that because truly this isn't a, a time for that sort of appreciation. Normally sure. there would be a lot more people just to simply shoulder that burden, but this really has taught me like, okay, sound and audio and lighting and tracks and uh, all, all this other stuff. I got some cheap lighting stands and some umbrellas and some LED lights and like really started having fun and yeah some some images for myself yeah i totally hear you i mean i i had um I've, i haven't done any of my own creation in that way but i had a um lighting rig uh, or a, a, a backdrop rig and uh, some umbrella lights and um my roommates decide we're gonna use that and they've been using it ever since that's awesome and they're being creative and you know what i'm like why don't why don't i do it and i'm like i just don't have that passion or um nerve to set it up and take it down every night so <laughs> i'll get there eventually but i'm excited we're here to talk about you and learn a little bit about you so i always like to start from the very beginning where are you from originally i am from columbus ohio oh buck the fuck eyes uh, <laughs> my brother uh, went to michigan so i am I figured Hold, I have to dislike <laughs> Ohio State. <The> enemy. <laughs> what was, yeah, what was life like in Columbus? Life was interesting in Columbus. I grew up, uh, and, uh, it's funny you mentioned that, I grew up five minutes from West Campus of OSU mm -hmm. in a little tiny, teeny tiny town called Grandview Heights. And it was uh, just such a tiny little suburb. I graduated with 95 other people in my graduating class. Oh, wow, that's small. Yeah, oh, so so tiny. So uh, so we were very insular, uh, no, not by choice, but simply mm -hmm. uh, just it was simply by design. It was almost a, a spillover kind of township kind of thing that kind of blossomed into into a cute little something or other. But uh, I I loved that little town. It, it was such a um, I think of Gilmore Girls a lot and how, okay. how I know that show and and think of, of that sort of like small town. Everybody knows everybody. Every, everybody's a, a character in someone's TV show kind of, you know, but that, that's the kind of environment that I grew up in. Um, and my mom and dad were very supportive of me as uh, someone who they, they saw needed um uh, some guidance. Uh, my mother uh, saw me as someone who uh, I could benefit from trying to get some coordination in my body by putting me in dance classes. And mm -hmm. uh, before I even uh, did that, my mother used to be a choir teacher. She taught me how to sing and how to follow melody and how to do all that at a very young age and put me in uh, 
church choirs and stuff and let my artistic side really grow. I, I really owe uh, both of them a lot, but especially my mother because she really took on uh, a burden of responsibility that she that none of us expected when my father died. So she had to be everything to us, to me and my brothers, and uh, keep everyone going. And she's she's still she is such my superhero. My mom. That's awesome. Yeah, she like she worked two jobs. Was our school board president. She she was able to hand all three of us our diplomas on the stage, and she still made it to every musical, band concert, uh, soccer game, everything that uh, me and my brothers did. She was That's special. Yeah, I, I really credit my mom with uh, giving me a lot of courage and a lot of chutzpah to go and face the world. Nice. So you sing, you dance, theater. How did that come into your life? I, it's kind of, interesting to to ask that because I, I feel like there's no place in my life where there wasn't some form of theater mm-hmm. and again something I owe to my mother every Christmas every birthday had a VHS copy of Oklahoma or the original London uh, recording of Fiddler on the Roof uh, mm-hmm. there, there was such an instilling of a theater and a love of it. My mom took me to the ballet when I was in middle school and I uh, got to do a lot of uh, some some theater stuff, some bit uh, bit summer festival kind of stuff for middle school years where I, I did uh, Greece and Wizard of Oz and uh, then I started doing um, high school theater and that's where I really started to open up to the world to really mm-hmm. like, truly uh, and literally take the stage uh, and just be out there. Theater was what gave me a, a lot of confidence to be who I am. I learned how to um, to love great characters and fun moments and uh, instances to move an audience emotionally. Sure. I, I learned how to how to do a lot of that and and love a lot of that on my high school theater stage. Nice. Do you have have a favorite role from high school? Ooh, oh, that's a a really good one. Um, (laughs) The one that comes right off, uh, up to the top of my head has to be uh, my senior year when I got to be Harold Hill in The Music Man. Oh, that's a good role. That's a fun one. Yeah, I had such fun with that. that. That was just like, it was everything I wanted. And, and I loved that musical. And I, I, I knew that, uh, that style. And I, like, I came in and just went into the stage having the best time of my life. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, and soon when Broadway reopens, we're going to have a new revival of The Music Man. Yes, we are. I, I am interested to see how... Uh, Sutton Foster and Hugh Jackman put their chemistry together, and I, I will like. I don't think it's going to work, but I mean, yeah. good luck to them. <laughs> Hugh Jackman, good casting. Sutton yeah. Foster, no, no, I mean, sorry. Like I know we didn't really necessarily need another. No, we did not. We did not, but like all the same, it's I'm going to enjoy 
watching them make some magic and serenade us and and have that sort of, like i think we are going to want that sort of nostalgia moment just for a minute before we absolutely like, really take off and overhaul the theater and do cool new stuff I, i'd yeah. love that personally yeah I, I i i for the first time the other day went through Times square since probably march um and i will say i was expecting what We've been called, known as a ghost town, but mm-hmm. I, I was expecting not a lot of people. It was packed. It was full of people. Mm-hmm. Um, like it was nothing had ever changed. Like there was someone doing some hip hop dancing and you saw a crowd of like 60 people surround a man. And I was like, this is not okay because only two thirds of you are wearing masks, but mm-hmm. come on people. But as I was walking um, to the subway, I walked by uh, the Brooks Atkinson's theater and saw six. And I was like, it's still there. There's still hope. That's the show I need to see. Yeah. We need to make me happen. Please. Oh, please. (laughs) Oh my God. So where did you go to school? What did you study? I went to the college of Worcester in Northeast Ohio and actually studied music education as my major. Mm -hmm. I went through the whole rigmarole and I I loved it there. It was such a great school and a great place for me to be because they let me do pretty much everything that I needed and wanted to do. Sure. In, in addition to, uh, I mean, it's a liberal arts college. So I, I had to uh, take a lot of different courses and uh, do a lot of different stuff so that I could fulfill different uh, requirements, which I thoroughly enjoyed. It, yeah. it, it really helped me fulfill the need to put myself in a lot of different head spaces. And, and I, I love to learn. I love to, to pick up new stuff and it really broadened my horizons and, uh, and let me not only pursue a full bachelor of music education with teacher certificate in four years, but they let, uh, they let me do theater on the side. Mm-hmm. And I, I did some really great roles and some great stuff and took some classes and, uh, and even helped f- uh, fund and found a student-run theater group there. I, That's awesome. I, I really took if I if I didn't love uh, music so much, I I probably would have uh, taken the the acting major. But I there was something about being a music teacher that I that was very uh, attractive to me. Was that the I, ultimate goal? Was to finish college and become a music teacher? Yep, that was that was my uh, my goal, and uh, past that, I was planning on going to grad school, so that then I could have my masters and do conducting and uh, do a lot of extra things that I had uh, already gone to school for. But I I was filling out the rest of the resume and building up a, uh, to really um, grow in that career, and then I didn't get in, into any grad schools. Sure, I I. Uh, in a act of trying to just reconcile with myself and figure out where I needed to go next, I took up with some of my frat buddies and we went to uh, Washington DC after, uh, after college and just uh, did our own thing there. We, we got a, a house and I ran around the city for a while and um, did some uh, odd jobs and, and still did some teaching. I, I actually did mm-hmm. uh, about a year and a half work with a after school music programs uh, school called Bach to Rock uh, that had several different uh, home base. Yeah, it was so, it was so cute. It was <laughs> that's cool. Yeah, they, they had several different music schools set up 
and I, I specialized in early education and movement classes for sure. toddlers uh, and built some good curriculum out there. And, uh, but I, I ultimately wasn't getting the work that I thought I was going to get mm. because, because DC has such stringent teacher laws. Nobody sure. wanted to give me a classroom until I had been in the system for two to five years. Right. Was, and how do you get into the system? Right. And I was like, um, I have my degree and a teacher certificate that's reciprocal in almost every single state. So what's the problem? Like, exactly. Uh, so, and so in the meantime, in, in between doing that and other odd jobs, I did what I always did, which was perform somewhere. And mm-hmm. so I started out in some community theater and uh, gotten to know the, got to know the scene out there. And then I started moving up houses and I started earning equity points. And I said, okay, maybe there's actually something here. Maybe there's something that I, I've always wanted to do, but I've been too afraid to go for it myself. And so what I spent the next three and a half years puttering around DC and doing theater and doing some really interesting, cool theater. There are a lot of experimental stuff. Like DC has a great theater scene that not many people are really talking about. That's really come up mm-hmm. in the last 20 years. And Absolutely. a lot of stuff and a lot of stuff that you wouldn't see even on off Broadway out here. They take, a I, I mean, and, and, and with like arena and Willie Mammoth and all of them, like they've been homes to pre Broadway runs. Mm-hmm. They absolutely have. Because um, I, when I went to DC for um, KCACTF when I was a winner, um, we got to tour Arena Sage when they were putting up Next to Normal. Ah, uh huh. And and the same woman that helped develop that worked in the theater where I was earning equity points, uh, and who ultimately took over the show that I was working at the time. It was such a a thing. We were uh, in the middle of our tech week, and they fired like everybody it was, oh, <laughs> oh yeah okay <laughs> it was it was such a thing uh, like we we went through a weekend of um previews and they fired the director and, and the assistant went with him and they fired the the lead actor uh who had had some issues w- with uh, a lot of management um and they flew in the guy who had done the run um actually uh jeff jeffrey mccarthy who mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. he had done the the original um uh west coast premiere run they flew him in we did a whole uh, we we scrapped previews did a whole week of uh rehearsal like it was a mess <laughs> welcome to theater right uh, but they're like they they put me through it and that that was where i was like oh yeah no there there's something to do here there, yeah. there's something for me that I absolutely need to do. And then I, the, like the following summer, I did uh, conducting for a regional community theater production of Carousel while I was still working at the Library of Congress and uh, doing work for them there. Uh, and it was at the end of that contract. Um, well, actually, it was, it was the year prior I had uh, taken some DC fringe theater Mm-hmm. Uh, I, uh, this, this was so uh, what really pushed me at the beginning because we were doing uh, experimental comedy mashup theater um, in a little tiny black box out in uh, Adams Morgan and we took this show out to um, New York Fringe the summer of 2011 I want to say yeah okay. okay interesting interesting uh, 
and did the the chorus work for this and uh, slept on someone's floor and for 10 days and wandered around the city and absolutely fell in love with it. Yeah. And, like, and every time I came back, I just fell in love with the rhythm all over again. I came back up for auditions and running around the city and seeing people like I, and I just, I fell in love with that rhythm. So Absolutely. yeah, at the end of my contract in December of 2012, the president of that company that contracted me to work at the Library of Congress uh, talked to everybody in our office to, to give us our, our official offers. But he's like, we, wanted, we love your work. We love what you're doing. We want to offer this to you first. We'd love for you to come to our home office in Manassas and work for us there. And I said, that's a really great offer. I don't want to keep pretending that I want to do this. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and that was it. Like 10 minutes after the meeting was over, I went back to my desk and I said, well, I'm going to New York. <laughs> there it is. Um, for listeners um, who may know my journey, I started uh, Theater in the Now reviewing a Fringe show for the first time in 2011. <gasps> no way. That, that was my critiquing debut. Huh. Uh, I had a friend who was um, directing a show and he needed someone to review it because they weren't getting any critics to come. I was like, I've never critiqued a show. I mean, you're going to get what you're going to get. And then I was added to one press list and another press list and more press list. And here we are now. That's excellent. And that's such a great way to get on the scene. I used to do Mm -hmm. um, theater reviews and critiques for DC DC theater for their... um, their regional award, the the Watch Awards. Mm-hmm. They, it's like their their um, their version of the Tonys. Sure. And I would just go out to ten shows a year and go review and watch. It, like it's such a great way to get into the scene. Yeah, absolutely. All right, you're in New York. <laughs> what is the goal now? Is it theater? Is it music? Is it whatever performance you can do? It, you know, it is kind of like whatever performance I can get my hands on, and I I know that there's a lot of inspiration that will come whenever it comes and a lot of stuff that will spark whenever it happens. Like to, to force that is to fall down a bad road. So, but I, I also know, I, I went to a, a business workshop a couple of years ago for, for theater professionals. Mm-hmm. I was so happy and so, and felt so lucky to do it, but to, they reframe, they told us to reframe what you are be, uh, and the woman who spoke was like, listen, I have a master's degree. I speak four languages. One of them is Greek. I, like, I am a very intelligent person. And last month I got uh, paid a lot of money to uh, stand in front of a camera for a shampoo commercial and do this and just flip my hair. Like, you, you. Money's money. Yep. You, there's a lot of stuff that you put under the umbrella, they say, of being an entertainer. You can be a lot of things. You can be a voice actor and you can be a dancer and you can be a hand model and you can uh, be a print model. You, you, there's a yeah. lot of stuff that you can, uh, you can put under one umbrella and just call yourself an entertainer. And that broadens your career and your options and lets you still be the person that you are and the thing that you want to be. And that, that's what, that's the, the thing that helps subscribe me to doing all of this and to throwing myself into so many different avenues and to say, look, I can work on this and be this and do this and achieve this, 
all kind of like as we go along. Absolutely. Right? And make that happen. Now, when did drag enter your life? That entered my second year here. Well, uh, in terms of the beginning of my actual days being Shirley you Jess. That, that's when it start, uh, started, when I officially said, here she is, here's the, the girl that's been inside me all along, here she is. Like, <laughs> um, I, I started working in drag and acquainting myself with drag back when I was in DC doing some backup dance work for a queen called Ronita B. Uh, Ronita B. Childs. She was doing some pageant work and she employed me and a friend as backup dancers. And I got to see a lot of backstage work and meet a lot of queens and see what that world was like and be absolutely enamored with it. Mm -hmm. And um, once I started working uh, in New York and uh, working in the bar scene, specifically at Flaming Saddles. That's where I started seeing uh, drag sort of on the outskirts, on, on sort of the fringe of it, because that's where we would spend some of our downtime and flip through the weeklies, uh, the um, Next and um, the, like the, the weekly circulars yeah. that, that we would uh, throw. Go, and they, I would just hear all of the, the gossip and all the talk, like, oh, she's a a uh, good singer but a bad host and she's an uh, amazing dancer but can't you know like just everyone's so got all, something to say everyone's got something to say <laughs> and and that's when I really started wondering what kind of girl would I be now and this was back when um Holly Box Springs was just starting to get herself off the ground and starting mm. to, to see things and so like I was working with somebody who was a drag queen uh, and um, and I also, even before that though, I, I used to work front reception with Suddenly Seymour. When, oh, interesting. Uh, when she, um, I, I completely forgot about that. I, <laughs> like it was such a, a blip on the radar cause I only worked at Pearl Studios for uh, a hot second before mm -hmm. it, like, it just, it didn't work out. So, but <laughs> we'll just say that it, it just, it didn't work out and I'm gonna leave it at that. <laughs> but how, I, how, well, I was gonna say, how how would you describe Shirley in three words? The first three words off the top of my head are "boss ass bitch." <laughs> All right. Okay. Okay. I and and I think I, those I think those words come up to the top of my head just because Shirley gave me license to be so much of who I am mm -hmm. already uh, and learn that everything that I am in a wig is everything that I am without it okay. uh, and, exactly. and I and and that lent a lot to my identity as a gender fluid person and seeing that I can be exactly who I am when I wake up and ask myself that question you know right. uh, and say okay this is this is how I'm dressing today this is how I'm feeling today this is you know it doesn't have to be so static and uh, it, it can be as fluid and evolved and evolving as I want mm -hmm. it to be. What is the origin story of your name? It is Punny Perfection. 
Thank you, thank you. <laughs> I very much appreciate that. I, you know, it, it, I was sitting at the bar jotting down names and, and a true story, I almost was Tory Nato before I uh, ended on this one. Yeah, okay, not bad, not uh, bad. Uh, right, I was like, eh, that's okay. Like, it's cute and you don't really see Tories anywhere. And I, I was just thinking to myself, okay, I've got to have a name that not everybody has that that doesn't feel cheap that doesn't feel that, that feels like i've put some effort that feels like uh is my kind of humor that tells people a little bit about who i am yeah and and i i thought okay well what's my brand of humor and one of my favorite favorite movies uh, ever and the one that came to the top of my head was airplane because <laughs> I, right classic <laughs> I, I think often and did at that time of that scene where uh, he goes, Shirley, you can't be serious. I am serious. And don't call me Shirley. Yeah, it's classic. <laughs> it is. It, it, uh, I mean, that movie, I was talking with someone recently about like how much we love that movie and how the, just some of the, it, it's quotable, but you can't remake it. Yeah. Not, not because of there's no one to do it, you just can't remake that movie because it was pretty bad in in, in today's terms. Yeah, <laughs> there there are some some parts of that that really won't fly anymore. No, literally, it will not fly. It's a little little off color. Yeah. <laughs> um. I mean, yeah. Like just just oh, just the pedophilia jokes and the race jokes and oh, the God, yeah. and the the religion jokes. But that's what made that movie funny is because they knew how to make it tasteful at that time. Mm -hmm. At that time. And, and to, to a certain degree, I think they're like, I don't want to excuse the humor, but they were trying to tow a certain line, which doesn't exist anymore. Right. It's it's just, it's just like blazing saddle. You can't remake that one either. It's a classic for its time. And that's it. And, and it's interesting that there are people who, who say like, oh, comedy's dead because it's too PC or people are too sensitive. And, and I think, no, we're just trying to make sure that we're including everybody in these exactly. songs. And we're not like having people be haunted by these terrible, right. terrible erasures of their I mean, and, and that being said, like a movie like Clue, if you got the right cast, can be remade. Because mm-hmm. that is quintessential slapstick physical comedy. Yes, it is. And I'll, I'll, that I'll, will never uh, die. Madeline Kahn, like, oh, if I, if I ever get to do Drag Race, she is on my list of potential mm-hmm. celebrities that I would love to do because she is such comedy perfection. Yeah. I, I, I personally, if you're going to remake Clue, I would like to see Kate McKinnon in that role. Yes. And oh my God, she would be perfect for that. She would be she, so good. <laughs> okay. How long does it take to transform into Shirley? Approximately two to two and a half hours is the the going time about now. It depends on like how much or how little I'm I'm intending on doing, but about two to two and a half hours. Do you have any traditions you like to do as you get ready? Normally, I... I will have some good music playing, obviously. Okay, like okay. I feel like that's everybody. Like yeah, I gotta have something bopping in my head. Um, when, even if it's just the music that I'm doing for that show, like to, mm-hmm. to have Absolutely. something to work with. Um, I'll usually um, 
order some food so I'm, I can just like focus on the music and uh, see what, how the delivery guy reacts to the, my face at the door. <laughs> um, other than that, I don't know. I, I don't know that I have too many other rituals. Um, I mean, with the, the show start, with the, doing the cabaret show, doing my, my live stream show here, I've started falling into some fun rituals of uh, having a, a seltzer drink, a, a spiked seltzer drink for uh, my um, starting, my, my opener drink and um, some verbals uh, that, uh, that I go back and forth with my partner when he's helping me uh, get ready. And, um, but other than that, I, I think it's just feeling how how the makeup's going, feeling where the colors yeah. are going. <laughs> now, speaking of makeup, this is the let's get you some sponsorship portion of the show. What are your favorite products to use? Let's see here. I have become a big fan in my foundation of Urban Decay. Oh, wow. That's fancy shit. Oh, yeah. Let, we, well, and, we stand fancy shit here. Right. Well, and it's like... Uh, Jay Brown says, she said, once you start going to Sephora and Ulta, like it, it's hard to go back. It's hard mm -hmm. to, yeah, <laughs> and understandably so. I use their, what is it? The, their Stay Naked Foundation. And it that whole tube lasts me a good six to nine months. Yeah. Like, I mean, and that's the thing with, with, with makeup is it will last you long. So you might as well invest. Yes, it is the one thing I, that I've just said, you know, investing has to be a part of it. You have to be willing to say, this is a great color and this is something that can last me a really long time, especially if I take care of it. Absolutely. And yeah, I, I love that. I, I love uh, Urban Decay's stuff. They have some wonderful, um, oh, they have some wonderful eyeliners that I've fallen in love with recently, some like deep blues, some sapphire blues. Um, what's the, there's one that's sort of like a, a teal green blue with gold flecks in it. And it's like electric something, electric, Sounds I can't fun. think of the name of it. But yeah, they, they, they are a company that I'm, I'm starting to notice more and more of their products every time I go. Mm -hmm. I'm also a fan of uh, Too Faced. I've been- uh, More fancy. Right? They, they've been, they're, uh, um, the, what is it? I have brain fart. Goodness. <laughs> uh, oh, they're cruelty free and they're vegan. And, uh, and I, I was looking into some of their products and the stuff that they offer. And I, I've been noticing some of their shades and some of these like sparkle lipsticks that are really, really cute. And, um, those are some, some fun ones that I've started playing in. Um, and I've, I've noticed a, a company that I've been wanting to take a look at just simply because they're, they smell like freshly baked dough and that's the, the sugar bakery stuff. Oh, uh, no, I've heard of those before. Okay. Oh, you haven't? Uh, sugar bakery oh. uh, I've, uh, is a, a company that um, puts their whole concept around baking items. So they're, mm -hmm. um, their foundation uh, is like batter and their uh, the powder is like flour or something. That's and, cute. Like and it that. all smells like freshly baked goods. <laughs> I, I, I like that. That's fun. 
right? I, I've been looking at them like, nah, I, I could like spring for something, for something small and play around in that and see how it is and m- try not to eat it. <laughs> <laughs> so who were some of the first people that helped you out on your drag journey? One of the people that comes right to the top of my head in terms of really embracing me in, in the scene is Marty Gould Cummings. Mm-hmm. She is someone that I have grown very, uh, f- very fond of and someone that has given me numerous opportunities and chances and, and jobs uh, and calls to be a part of stuff. Uh, and as uh, whenever I've needed a gig, uh, I've, she's always picked up the phone whenever I've uh, texted her or messaged her. She, she has been someone that has been such a, a, a great figure for me. In, in terms of how she treats people, how she uh, holds herself on the scene, her story. I, I'm very moved by her story and the, and the life that she's created for herself. And she's getting into local politics and, yeah. make, and making that accessible. And I think that's amazing. That's such a huge undertaking and, and something that she's, you know, very much in the public spotlight. I, I think that's amazing and I, I applaud her for doing that and making that um uh, normalizing that yeah do you remember what your first performance was and where it was oh yes i i remember distinctly it's still on youtube buried oh somewhere. boy yeah. <laughs> kids you better go find it once you find out what it is <laughs> i better start uh, rolling and put that out so i could <laughs> um i did my first full performance as Shirley You Jest at uh, the Lori Beachman Theater. Oh. I know. I, I felt so spoiled. <laughs> but I uh, was on, fa- uh, rolling around Facebook one day, and I, I'm friends with Ben Cameron. Mm-hmm. And uh, he put out an a APB that year, um, which was 2014. It was the uh, the October of 2014. He said, "Okay, is there anybody out there who is uh, any any performer who has been thinking about doing drag, been wanting to do drag, uh, always wanted, you know, whatever?" Like, and, and I said, "Yeah, I've absolutely been thinking about doing it, I, and I had for for a while. Been like, okay, who's this girl? Who is she? What you know? What does she look like?" And uh, and then that was the push that I needed to just fully create somebody. So I sure. got, a, I got a couple friends together and started talking to them. And um, one of my friends helped make, uh, make me my own dress. And one of my other friends beat my face for the first time. Um, it actually, actually uh, Diana Carfire was the, mm-hmm. uh, was who beat my face for the first time. Uh, and we always agreed it was never a mother, mother daughter situation. We were really more sisters than anything else, but sure. uh, she was the one who first, did up my face so uh, so that I could learn so that I could uh, internalize that and recreate it uh, and I had people that I talked out the character and what was happening and uh, what what my act to look like uh, and so I went there and did um, parody lyrics for uh, if they could see me now mm-hmm. okay uh, and then I, I brought somebody up on stage and did a, a an awkwardly theatrical lap dance to 
whatever Lola wants. How cute. <laughs> and just um, live sang to the piano and, and just had a, an absolute ball. I, and I just loved it. The rest was history. I wouldn't say that you are a competition queen, but when you do a competition, you do them. <laughs> you won a season of New York's Next Top Drag Queen. Yes. <laughs> Tell us about the show for those who may not have been around for it and what your experience was like with it. New York's Next Top Drag Queen was a, uh, an all-live singing cabaret competition show. Every mm -hmm. single week, we had a theme to do, and so we, we picked a song or, or picked a, an act and, and made a, a cabaret, cabaret song performance uh, out of that theme. And, and we did, how long was that? So that was six weeks. We did six weeks of that. And we, we did a Broadway week. We did 60s week. We did a diva week. And it, it was really incredible. I really had a great time being a part of that. I, uh, Holly Day was the um, the host of the time, and that's how I met Adam Shapiro, and uh, and I'd already uh, met and known Witty Repartee at the time, but she was a, a great uh, uh, judge at, uh, on that panel, and um, so was Dorothy Bishop, was a marvelous, marvelous performer, and I I just had so much fun putting this stuff together. I, I was I found where I was really flourishing. I think that I I love doing bar shows. I think there's there's something really sure. fun and cool about doing you know the floor show, bar show, being being around people. There's something that just can't be beat about it. But I I love I loved doing that that sort of cabaret performance stuff, and that's that's why I did some of my my favorite stuff to date. I I did this a great performance uh, for Broadway week where I dressed up as Mrs. Lovett, but I sang people from funny girl mm -hmm. and oh my God, it was so much fun. Like I just, I, I enjoyed every bit of it. And, and um, I built some, some cute acts and I got to learn some more about what I, uh, what kind of queen I am and what my humor does and what it, what it looks like. Uh, and when I won, I, that prompted me to really go all out because uh, in addition to a cash prize, we won, uh, or the, the winner won, wins a cabaret slot. They went a, a night to do an entire cabaret, an entire right. show at, at um, the now defunct Metropolitan Room, which, you know. Rest in peace. Rest in peace, indeed. They, they moved their operations to uh, the triad. Um, uh, it's just so hard to keep uh, uh, recurring performances there. Absolutely. Um, they, they, do, they do great uh, stuff and uh, the, no shade on them, uh, but the, it's, it's hard to, to keep recurring performances there. The, the crowds- It's hard help. for them to yeah. pay you for your show because I never got paid. Oh, <laughs> goodness me. I was one of the last shows at the Metropolitan Room. Oh, were you? Oh, wow. That la very last week. I missed that room. That's a nice... It was, like, it was I, a good performance space. Yeah. Uh, and I, that's where I got to, to do my, my first full uh, perf uh, cabaret uh, self-produced performance. I, 
and where I, I was like, wow, I wrote this, I put it together. I Nomi Sass was my co-star. I, I made mm-hmm. her, she, she won the, the chance to open for me. And I was like, no, nah, that's dumb. I'm going to write, write you as, as my foil. Like, I think that's more fun. Like, and, nice. and we had such a ball. I, I, um, I, 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 I'm thinking about releasing that. I, I have a recording somewhere. I, I feel like I should release it somewhere. You know, like, oh my God, if I if I release the, my show from then, um, I think my cast would literally <laughs> murder me. Um, yeah, I mean, because that was the first show I ever produced was Drag Array, um, and oh, then uh, cut to 2020 when I created a competition called Drag Array Star, which was an all live singing drag uh, competition. We can get to finish, but maybe one day. Yeah, that, and that's that's the thing. This, I feel like everybody across the board was like, I had all this lined up. I had yeah. these things to get, uh, and I was one of those people. I had three shows over six months planned and set, mm-hmm. and yeah, all gone. Now, do you remember who some of your competitors were for your season? Uh, yes, Guild the Wabbit was was on that back when she was uh, Beverly Leslie Sills. Yes, 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 she, yes. She changed her name, and uh, that's where I I first met Gina Tonic actually. Mm-hmm. And uh, let's see here, Elliot J Garland uh, was mm-hmm. in the, the top five with us. Um, who else was on that season? Um, Flip Kiki uh, was on. Okay. on yeah. Uh, who else? This is uh, this is, uh oh, Vicky Buffon. Uh, oh, oh, just a little, little, little her. Yeah, <laughs> of course, of course, Vicky Buffon. Uh, that uh, how could I forget her? <laughs> well, speaking of music. You spent part of your quarantine putting together some music for us um, and put have a little vinyl that I believe is now sold out. Yes. There's actually still some copies left. I well, see. listeners, get on it. Yes, indeed. I, I, I know that the link is still up on my Instagram profile. Mm-hmm. Um, the, there, there should still be copies left. I, th- this was such a different project for me and something that I, I was not expecting at all, but I was so happy to just kind of fall into it. I, it was an application process that came across my Facebook feed uh, and they were like, uh, apply with us. You will give you the studio space. We, yeah, you can buy extra copies for wholesale if you, if you want to hand them out to people and whatnot. But like I, I said, well, I, I'm a, a nightlifer and I've, I have a couple songs that I, I wrote uh, and recorded i performed one for a competition that that actually i sent them a link to that competition that i won because i performed one of my original songs uh, for one of the themed weeks because it it fit so nicely in the theme and um and they were like yeah uh, come come on down i said oh okay and and so because of that i said well i'd love it if i could have some new material something that i could toss around and see what's going on with that and i i had a completed set of lyrics for a torch song that was running around in my brain Mm -hmm. that i had finished but i had had not completely written out and formatted and so i said well this is the chance this is my opportunity so i i gave myself a goal and 
set it and made everything uh, uh, happen. And I actually didn't have a, a piano here. So I spent time going to the Holy Redeemer Church that's out on 46th Street. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they were uh, they were so kind to me. They, I was just like, I need to have a, a piano under my hands because that's how it's going to come out of my head. <laughs> like, yeah, and they said, you know, just come come by. No one's using the chapel. Just <laughs> they were they were so kind and, and let me just like noodle around there and make music upstairs and uh, let me fully get it out of my head so that I could. Um, at least have some notes for the for the accompanist so that he could feel around and make things work and sure. uh, and even he was shocked by it because the their process it's least a vowel recording studio and they're one of the only people left that have the direct sound uh, mechanism that uh, prints it directly onto the wax these mm-hmm. days you you do it in logics or uh, in other sound systems and whatnot, and then you mix and match, or you drop it in where you re-record over something, and then you press it to vinyl so that you can copy everything. Right. This was like straight shot, snapshot, photograph moment of sound. It was uh, all one take stuff, mm-hmm. uh, and I I was blown away by it, and just like the the feeling that came from it, uh, and then listening to these little seven inch vinyls it, it, they're clear uh, they're clear vinyl and just seven inch single vinyls of my voice and i think that's so amazing to me yeah <laughs> now that you've done this you you, you, you pop the cork any ep plans in the future i've been thinking about an ep for a while and this is the the first time that i've uh, been really like yeah this could uh, be very viable this is something that feels very palpable and, yeah. and especially the the accompanist i mean the accompanist is uh, brandon james Wynn. Mm-hmm. i i went to him and and he uh take a look he was so so kind uh, he's like i don't know why bmi didn't want you for this stuff this, like this is better than half the shit they put out anyway yeah uh, I, I, I said well i mean you said it not me <laughs> uh, but it um talking to him and and seeing how uh how this can be something how i can truly take my music from page to sound yeah is something that uh, really reignited that passion in me and and i started thinking like what else can i do and i've been thinking for a while like what how do i complete that ep like what's the what's the way I have enough that can make an EP, but I'm such a natural competitor with myself. <laughs> yeah. I, my, in my brain, I'm like, well, they don't really form a theme of some kind. Like, it'd be great to put them out because they'd be like jazzy theatrical Broadway tunes that someone would be like, oh, isn't that nice? But there's, there's no synchronizing theme for them. Sure. So in my head, I'm thinking, okay, maybe you write one or maybe even two more songs that can put them all together in some mm-hmm. fashion. There you go. There you and, then, go. and then produce, and then see. Because this is also going to be dependent on like what kind of money I drum up for this. And um, But I, I'm, I'm trying not to let that hold me back uh, now. There, there's, you know, you get into that creative headspace and you want to make sure that it's working, but you don't want to let those doubts get to you. I'm trying to let the 
the money part, like leave that behind for a little bit sure. <laughs> and, just, and just be like, you know what, make, make the art. You, you have the time, make the art. My big gay Italian midlife crisis. Ah, yes. <laughs> you took part. I did. How did that come about? That was something that came about through another show that I was working on called The Housewives of Secaucus, mm -hmm. which we're hoping to bring back again once the pandemic lifts or when we can at least get some reasonable theatrical crowds back in, uh, to some audiences. But we, we were working on that and doing one-offs for that. Um, we did a show at... The, the duplex and we did one at the Broadway comedy club and uh, through their people, actually the, the guy who wrote that show is the one who writes all of the uh, big gay Italian uh, sure. shows. Uh, he did um, uh, wedding funeral and uh, now midlife crisis. And, and now he's premiering um, big gay Italian Christmas as well mm -hmm. uh, out there for this uh, coming December. And, they, their casting director said, uh, said he, you, you got to take a look at this guy. He's, you know, he's got some good stuff. See, see what's going on. And he actually called me up and, and uh, said, let's, I, we'd love to put, put you in for auditions. Let's take a look at you. The, he's a um, gay personal trainer. Here's the sides and, um, you know, uh, work out everything else and we'll we'll see you there I said great uh, and I, I went right in I dressed up in lycra and spandex and uh, did this just ultra homosexual fitness routine to, yeah. uh, to see that walk like <laughs> <laughs> and, and oh my god I just watching them laugh and uh, it double over like I uh, they Call, they called me up and said, we'd, we'd love to have you. Like, let's, let's do this. And that was supposed to be for April. We were, we were going to open all that back in at the beginning of April before the pandemic hit, uh, hit and all that fell apart. But sure. um, then as time has gone on and they've been, they've been doing some good work, getting things uh, back to a, a reasonable level out in Avondale, New Jersey. And, they said, well, uh, now's the time. We, we have a, a go-ahead, and the, the governor said, okay. And, you know, we, we have a, a camera crew that's coming from Fox to come take a look, uh, look at everything. And we got guidelines, and we'll, like, get a COVID test and come see us Monday. Like, <laughs> what, what were some of the struggles of putting the show up in the age of COVID? I think some of the struggles were really um, – I think that it was more of an emotional thing, if anything else. We were did really well in, or at least the, they did, the, the management and theater, they, they did really well in setting up guidelines and making sure that everyone was following and they taped off certain sections of the theater and they switched it up every night so that they could mm -hmm. rotate and, uh, you know, they made very sure that everyone was taken care of, that everyone was safe, that everybody felt safe. And we did, and, and all the, the actors, uh, took uh, great precautions and even the restaurant that was attached next door had uh, all sorts of good protocol put in place and uh, and they were lovely. I think it was really just operating in that environment. Sure. But 
it, I remember a day when we were, um, uh, when I looked around at everybody and, and we, we all kind of looked at each other and we said, it's kind of weird how normal this feels, right? Yeah, I can imagine. Like, uh, like how normal it doesn't feel and shouldn't feel, but like we're feeling something that's supposed to be normal in a not normal setting. Right. And the adjustment of that, like that sort of emo emotional shift and like this is like this isn't the same anymore. And we are we were the cast was so amazing. Like they were such a fantastic group of people. I had such fun. They were so embracing of me and welcoming and, and like totally you're a part of the family now. You're you're doing this show, you're part of La Familia. Like <laughs> and the but and we just had to um, sit there and and chat and um, emote with each other and uh, they were such a safe space to be like yeah this is such a bizarre way to uh, do a show but like we're doing it and we're making it happen and we're uh, we're making our each other laugh and having a, a good time and we're making that normal yeah. <laughs> We're going to play our first game. It's called This or That. I'm going to give you two options. And you're going to tell me which one you prefer. Okay. Day or night? I want to say night. Black or white? Black. Wrong or right? Ooh, wrong. <laughs> Fight or flight? Fight. Singing or dancing? Singing. Taco Bell or Popeyes? Taco Bell. Video games or board games? Video games. Wizards or witches? No, witches. Leather or lace? Leather. <laughs> Umbrella Academy or the boys? Umbrella Academy. Rick or Morty? Ooh, Rick. Here you go. <laughs> How far will you go in drag? What are your limits? Hmm. In terms, in terms of just in general. In general, what 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 would you say no to? What will you say absolutely yes to? In performance, in in how you get paid, anything. How far in drag will you go? <laughs> That's a good question. Um. Hmm. I think about that sometimes, and in, in terms of at least a, a stage performance thing, because you know watching some queens and and what they do and the and the ways that they push themselves in in terms of that performance space is like wow yeah <laughs> i'm i'm amazed at some of the things that uh, these uh, drag artists do uh, and and what we give ourselves space to do and mm -hmm. uh, i i don't know i i mean i uh have your limits been tested before? Hmm. You know, I, I don't think they really have. I don't, or at least I don't feel like they have. That's fair. Um, I've, I've definitely done scenes in drag. I've been whipped in drag and I've spanked in drag and flogged in drag. Um, hmm. Interesting. 
I mean, I I like to say that I'm the kind of person that is game for just about anything. Like I, if yeah. if there's if I'm not a danger to myself or anybody else, then you know, and and you're do, doing it for the right reasons, and you're you know, and all and all that jazz. Absolutely. Why not? You know, go for it. Go go for the the big reveal, the big react. Um, yeah. But I don't know. I feel like I haven't really been tested. Uh, that much I've, well maybe in 2021 when things open up again you'll have that test <laughs> interesting and now i'm going back to trying to see what <laughs> sort of stuff i've done what sort of things and i don't know now i'm gonna have to like pick that apart <laughs> do you find that there's a clickiness within new york city drag in nightlife you know i think that there is a certain group that you, I, I wouldn't say it's clicky. Mm-hmm. I'd say you hang out with you who you hang out with. Sure. I, I think that, um, and I don't think anybody is opposed to including other people in uh, certain hangs. You know, I've never felt like I've come into a dressing room and felt like that's what uh, wasn't a place where I was supposed to be. Sure. Um, but I don't always hang out in that dressing room, if you know what I mean. Sure. Like I, I'm not all, always out in Queens, so I don't always uh, hang with everybody there. I, um, I tend to perform a lot down uh, in the village. So I, I, I will hang out with people who uh, perform there or, um, you know, people who get uh, pulled into the fundraiser that uh, that I might be doing for LGBTHQ or for whoever. Like, um, but no, I, I wouldn't say it's clicky. I, I would just say we we hang out with who we hang out with. Okay, that's fair. That's that's totally valid. We're gonna play everyone's favorite game, tea time. Ah. You are gonna spill some tea on some of your favorite sisters, friends, colleagues, people you shared a stage with. People you love, hate, I don't know. We're going to find out. <laughs> Here we go. <laughs> we are going to start off with Miss Cherry Poppins. Ah, <laughs> she is what I would consider my original drag daughter. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think she considers me that anymore. I, I, I don't know. I, I haven't felt... Um, uh, that sort of that she's um, been much of a daughter, uh, or and then I haven't been much of a, uh, a mother to her, so I, I can't blame her. But you know, we haven't really connected much, sure. so I feel like you know, the, I feel like she doesn't claim me as a mother anymore. That's fair. That's fair. Oh, oh well, you know, it's it's all right. I only gave birth to her, nursed her, <laughs> stick my head in the oven and be done with it. <laughs> Next up. Gina Tonic. Ah, I love Gina. She's fantastic. I I always marvel at just like where her brain is. <laughs> it's such a fun place to be. <laughs> is it a fun place? I, I, I mean, it's it's probably a, a it, it, I'm sure at times a perilous place to be. <laughs> that's fair, that's fair. <laughs> she and I actually got together a couple years ago to start writing a, a cabaret for myself. We, we got most way through a, a new cabaret that 
um, because of schedules and because of um, budgets and, and everything else that was going on in my life, we kind of like pushed to the back burner and, and uh, didn't pick up uh, again for a while. But I, I've been thinking again that maybe it might be time to pick it up because uh, it might, if I reformat it, it might work for uh, for where we are right now. Oh, cool. But, but you know, like... Uh, that sound like the present. Yeah. Uh, and she, she's fun to write with. She's a, uh, it's fun to just like spit out jokes with her. <laughs> Next up, Bella Noche. Mm, she is lovely. I have, I do not have anything bad to say about her. She has always been such a kind, wonderful person to me. She's always been friendly. Uh, I love Paul. He's always such a <laughs> bright, happy individual. Um, she's a, a hard worker. She's always like, hustling to get herself out and get seen and doing another music video and doing uh, and improving her look and trying new stuff out like uh, while while still grounding herself in who who she is she knows the the kind of queen that she is and i think yeah. that's amazing um i i think she's so, such a great queen <laughs> next up avant garbage Oh my God, this, I can't say enough good things about her. Like she, she is a, a great example of just a human being all around. She, not only is she hilarious, she's uh, encouraging and compassionate. I distinctly remember, th this is, is uh, such a fun story, I think, because uh, there was a couple of years ago where I was actually, um, doing uh, a, the Lady Liberty competition, mm -hmm. but I, I was also uh, scheduled the same day to do background work for the Deuce. Okay. I, I, and and that, was, that was all the way out in uh, Brooklyn. Mm -hmm. And this was back when they were uh, do, uh, doing some of the Lady Liberty shows at um, Boots and Saddles. Okay. And uh the the way that scheduling was lining up uh like they they started taking an extra two hours an extra four hours and like okay you guys are going to be here for like six more hours i was like oh fuck. I, I was like i can't do it i i can't i can't reasonably be in the competition that it's not fair to anybody so i, I was like so i uh met i messaged tara and i, I said i am so sorry i I do not do this. This is not the girl I am, but I can't be there. The scheduling isn't working. I, I thought it was going to work. I was so sure, but I can't do it. And she, and she said, well, if you can still make it, I was like, I, I can't, well, like, well, what, why could you be here? I was like, well, at such and such time. I was like, well, if you can make it, uh, okay, well, we will try. We will, we will give it a shot. I all the way there, flew in uh, to the uh, from the train at a half hour to curtain, and I was like, "Fuck! What what am I gonna do?" And uh, one of the people that was in the dressing room was Avant Garbage. She was a uh, I think she had done a show earlier and was just out of drag, but she's like, "Girl, what what's up?" <laughs> and I said, oh, "I got I gotta get it face now," <laughs> and, and she said. Hand me, hand me the brush. Let's go. <laughs> and, and in a half hour, helped me like slap a face on. <laughs> and I, I walked out on stage to my name being called. 
There you go. <laughs> she she is the uh, the queen of saving people's asses. Like she is that kind of girl that will roll up her sleeves wherever she is and say, "Let's go, let's do it. <laughs> Let me help you." Let I, and I I admire her for that. Next we have Misty Mountains. Such a dear, oh my gosh. <laughs> she is such a lovely person. She, she always has the biggest smile on her face and a dirty joke to tell. <laughs> <laughs> and, and that is just a, a personality I enjoy thoroughly. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Next up, Crimson Kitty. Mm, what a, a fearsome person. I, I, where did I first meet her? I think I first met her doing the so you want a job competition on fire island okay uh she and i shared a, a, a hotel room and and i got to just chit chat with her and see what what a just amazingly fearsome ballsy person she is mm -hmm. and i i was so inspired she's like i don't no one tells me what i am and i do do what uh, i want to do no one can tell me what my performance is supposed to be like i oh i was so just impressed <laughs> next we have zalika parsons Ooh, Zalika, what a lovely girl she she makes me laugh lovely so. that's the adjective you're gonna use <laughs> Maybe, maybe lovely uh, uh, has a different connotation because our lovely is kind of like, what up, bitch? Like, you know, yeah, like exactly. <laughs> How'd you put your face on today? Did you hit by a bus? <laughs> like, <laughs> <laughs> like, she, I think she put it best. Like, she, go, she has always said, you are my kind of stupid. <laughs> we love and, that. And I think, yeah, like, Every time she has a new mix, like I'm glued because she is, she cracks me up to no end. The, the way she could just like look at somebody and sass somebody with her eyes or, or, or do something weird or drag her ass on the stage. Like, <laughs> she's a unique one. She is. Uh, and she is also someone who, like, if I, if I ever, needed to bury a body like <laughs> like she blames like, Lika. <laughs> <laughs> it's all her fault she has the exactly <laughs> yeah <laughs> she she is such a, a a person to rely on uh, i've i've never n not known her as a friend next up diana carfire a sister for life she is <laughs> she speaks her mind and is opinionated and is I, I'm so drawn to, to to people like that to to the folks who really are I'm I'm exactly this way and and no one can tell me otherwise because uh, that's something that that I uh, ascribe to or, mm. or aspire to is to say not every drag body is your drag body sure or is your performance and she she's someone who helped birth me she helped get me out on the scene and she we we do we've always had fun doing show, shows together i i'm so I, i'm glad that she's got her place out uh, in in the west she's making her home but 
I miss her. I'm, I miss doing yeah. shows with her. I, and one of these days, we're going to lift restrictions, and I'm going to have some sort of budget, and I'm going to go fly out with her, and I'm going <laughs> to do some shows with her because we need to. Yeah. Next up, Wendy Waxwood. Wendy Waxwood. She is such a determined, hard worker. I, uh, I rarely see people who are just that pervasive in their work ethic. Mm-hmm. She, she is constantly serving it and giving it. And uh, she's funny and fast on her feet. And that is worth everything in this industry. Absolutely. And finally, the queen mom of rock bar, Witty Repartee. Yes, Witty Repartee. Someone who I think gave me the the blueprint, not, not the blueprint, but certainly the license to be like, I can be a queen and a dom. I can do both of those things. Mm-hmm. Uh, nothing precludes me from living the rest of my life uh, in drag uh, yeah. and, and doing uh, doing things and being a part of committees and fundraising and doing things for the community. And um, to, I, w- I will say she's a very opinionated person, but then, then again, who isn't? Just a little bit. And that's why we love her. Oh. <laughs> Do we always agree with her opinion? That's up to you to decide. But she's going to have an opinion. She's going to tell, tell you her opinion and you take it or leave it. You know, she's, she's been giving me some cabaret homework every single week that I've been doing my show. She's nice. She, it, it's interesting because, because she really, it really is kind of like uh, class time. Yeah. There, a, a couple of weeks ago, I, um, well, what was the, um, what was the theme? I can't remember what, what the theme was, but uh, I, I think it was, um, uh, it doesn't matter, but but she, I, I would just an everyday run of the mill theme, and and she said, Jacques Brel's La Vase Milton. She said the English version is fine. <laughs> okay, Winnie. Well, that's marvelous because my French is gutter. <laughs> that's funny. <sighs> if you were on the RuPaul's Drag Race television program, who would you do for Snatch Game? I have a couple people. I, uh, like I said before, um, Madeline Kahn is someone that mm-hmm. is right. on my short list. Um, Catherine Hepburn, mm-hmm. I, I think is a, a really, I'd love to do like, you know, she's um, trying to answer and she, and constantly trying to like dra- drink a glass of water. I mean, we did see a rendition of it on this recent season or this last season of Drag Race. <laughs> and, uh, and, uh, I think that it's such a fun, fun person to be. I, I thought about doing um, Tim Curry as Frankenfurter. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, well, there was at least one other person. Um, and, and that's the thing. Every time I, want, I come up with someone that I'm like, oh, that person, they end up doing them on, on uh, right. Drag Race. The, the year that I wanted to do Mae West, Alaska went and did All-Stars. Exactly. Uh, <laughs> okay, so you've fallen down a rabbit hole on YouTube. What are you watching? Oh, probably um, clips from cartoon shows that I love. Okay. <laughs> I I love watching uh, cartoons. I love uh, they have some of the best humor and slapstick uh, vaudeville jokes uh, for today's society. <laughs> 
but I will I will usually be finding some some kind of cartoon that I love to watch over and over again. Nice. Well, we're going to move into the pop five rapid fire where I'm going to give you five pop culture things and you're going to be a word, phrase, story, whatever you want to talk about for each. Okay. We're going to start with number one, the Queen's Gambit. Ah, I, I grew, really grew on this show. It's very intricate and subtle and um, the dialogue is interesting and packs a punch. Yeah. And I, um, and I love a lot of the, the themes that are going on, not just of feminine power, but um, feminine recognition. Yeah. I, I love what, what she says in, in one interview where she's like, I'm not famous because I'm good at chess. I'm famous because I'm a girl. Yeah. Uh, and I, I went, oh, that, mm. <laughs> Yeah, I think it was a really powerful show to come out now. Yes. Very much so. The timing was right. Mm-hmm. It's a very good renaissance for female-driven shows. Mm-hmm. I, I, I love that. I, I'm grow, uh, really appreciating the, this new female experience that's being put before us. Yeah, I mean, and you wouldn't, and you wouldn't say Beth is a strong, powerful, independent woman. Mm-hmm. She is a strong, natural woman. She is. She's your very... average, everyday woman. Mm-hmm. And very just happens to yeah, and just who happens to be brilliant and knows how to play chess. Yeah, it's marvelous. Yeah. Number two is Ken Jennings to be first interim host of Jeopardy. Ah yes, I I don't know how I feel about that. No, I mean it's hard to think that anybody can replace Alex Trebek, yeah. let alone intermittently. Yeah, I mean my my friend is a die-hard uh, um, Jeopardy fan. Like he actually had emotion when uh, Alex Trebek passed away, and he his feeling was the only person to replace him is Ken Jennings. So he's very happy about this choice. Yeah, I mean, if you're gonna replace replace somebody, do it close to the chest, you know? Yeah, because there was there's already been rumors that one person that could replace him is Anderson Cooper, and I'm like, nah, pass. Yeah, well, and that's not where I think he's gonna shine. I think he's got too much to do out in the world. Yeah, absolutely. All right, number three is the transition of power officially begins. Yes. Oh, my God. I can't believe. <laughs> I think he's, you know, you know I, I wish no harm on anybody. I, I don't. I, I wish a lot of times that people would just, like, wake up and realize what they're doing is wrong uh, and yeah. have a change of heart. I, I do my best not to wish harm on anybody it would give me a little bit of sick schadenfreude satisfaction to watch on prime time secret service pulling his claws away off of the desk that that would be quite the scene and you know what that would be american history it really would and and i feel like we're not far off from that we're close we're close to it i i think that the um as strident as the a GSA administrator has been um, at least makes sense to wait for like in her world to make, to wait for a true result. Yeah. I guess a certified result, even though we've been watching it the whole time. Exactly. But I I, I can't completely blame her because we basically did the same thing four years ago. We were, you know, no one was just digging their heels in. We we're just like, okay, you're, 
elected, but we're going to keep uh, looking into this. You know, that someone was asking me like, what what's the makes the difference between Democrats and Republicans anyway from this to four years ago? And I said, well, it probably has to do something with people uh, encouraging death threats to Democrats on a website that has no age modification. So that's a thing. Mm -hmm. But like this whole transfer, this whole transition has been such a, a tenter. Nightmare. The Saturday that uh, Biden was certified, um, or at least they, they said in, uh, that he was the apparent victor, uh, I said, oh my God, I feel like I just like dropped this four-year tension headache and my colon just unkinked. Yeah. Uh, but I, I still didn't feel completely ready. You know, it, it's, mm -hmm. like, it's like, you know, they say happy people uh, question when they're happy. Uh, or, or smart, pe smart people question when they're happy. And, yeah. and we know that we were duped four years ago. It, it's, mm -hmm. uh, it's that trauma, it's that uh, PTSD, like, is it Absolutely. real? So uh, I was sitting there like, okay, I'm calmer, but I'm not, I, I don't feel like we're out of the woods. But to, to start to hear that, to hear that they, the administrator signed the letter that, like that is a a symbol moving forward. Even if the the sitting president wants to say we're still putting up a good fight, we still have everyone's pulled out their lawsuits. Everybody, exactly. there's no voter fraud. The guy that he put into power to look over the election said it was the most secure election they had ever seen in human history ever. So, what is it? Was it rigged or did uh, you know? Are you the winner? Like, right. <laughs> All right, number four. Taylor Swift announces surprise folklore concert on Disney+. Plus. <laughs> I'm, I'm always back and forth on Taylor Swift. And, and, and I think with very good reason. Yeah. Uh, because she's the kind of person who goes out and pays somebody's student tuition bills completely for uh, and wipes their debt clean and then has fights with uh, Kanye and uh, Kim Kardashian over the phone and uh, get uh, get backlashed by recordings of no no you actually did say you could uh, let us uh, or let us use your samples of uh, your recordings in our music uh, and then she goes back and goes into court and she defends Kesha and talks, uh, uh, and talks about sexual harassment and uh, empowering women and how they don't ask for it. Not, uh, and then she uh, does uh, all the, it's so weird because it feels like she doesn't understand what she, uh, where she is in the universe. Sure. It, it's like, it's like pretty people who are like, oh, I don't understand why there are ugly people in the world. You know, uh, it, it's like, well, dear, <laughs> yeah, the rest of the world exists, not Absolutely. just yourself. <laughs> and I was not a fan of um, look what you made me do at all, because mm -hmm. that's the kind of language that uh, that I know abusers use. Oh, look what you made me do. No, I didn't make you do anything. You're a bitch. Like, <laughs> so 
on the one hand, yay, new art. On the other hand, Taylor Swift. Uh, that's fair. That's fair. Uh, I'm, I'm never completely happy with her. So That's fine. And number five, Broadway to remain closed until at least May 2021. Ugh, that's so sad. I know that no one's going to make money anyway between January and May because that's just the way it is. Mm-hmm. Even, even now, like for as little tourism as, as we're getting, it's still going to be a big drop off after the holidays because it always sure. is. Absolutely. And, and, you know, just how many more shows can't come back, just how many theater, more theaters aren't going to be ready, right. just how many uh, more theaters might have to go under because of the uh, new equipment or the new staff they have to put in place or whatnot um right it's a very scary thing and uh, very rightly so but i also am uh, excited because i'm i feel like this is going to be the chance for us to really clear out the cobwebs uh, sure. and i i hate to think of it that way because every bit of broadway history and every bit of it is, is treasured and we we're all trying to make art and make things happen it's a cultural touchstone but there's so much that uh i think needs to be turned over and i think there's a lot of stuff that is coming to light because of this i i really appreciated um the post that people were talking about they said okay we really do have to talk about race in this because we're you know the people who are going to return to uh work on broadway are going to be the people that have the money the means the the capability uh, and that's that's still something that is a racial skew in the uh, in uh, socioeconomically speaking Uh, and how are we going to accommodate for people for different races and different economic backgrounds and to keep rejuvenating a uh, an art form that needs to have some turnover yeah absolutely well, I have a fan corner question for you, and this is from Chola Spears. Ooh. Chola would like to know, how does your kink lifestyle inspire your drag? That's an interesting question, and one that I'm, I've been thinking about for a while, because I've, I've been thinking about the intersectionality of gender and mm-hmm. uh, fetish and uh, what that means and how those roles play out. And I think that my leather and kink has inspired my drag to um uh to really explore gender in in all of its uh extra facets and not just a, a presentation or a feeling mm-hmm. but in um in intimacy and in romance in um the uh, sexuality and scenes and and um well it's, it's helped me um, empower uh, a lot of uh, even further from not, not just the, the ability to be in drag, but to to be a commanding force in drag yeah. to, to further stabilize and to empower what my movement and my actions and the, the things that I do. I, I think it really has um, helped in that. And it, it's helped me... Um, inspire some some of my fashion and some of how I present myself I love like I'm really loving now um the the leather uh, stuff that I've built up from mm-hmm. uh, for my female side 
Nice. So I have my previous guest ask my current guest a question, and this is a question from Poison Envy. Ooh. If you had to pick a celebrity, dead or alive, to take a very strong edible with and film the encounter, who would it be and why? Hmm. Hmm. See, the person that comes to the top of my head is Allen Ginsberg, but okay. I, but I feel like. I feel like it's almost too easy, you know. I I feel like, but but there's Maybe. still a lot of there's a lot of stuff. I I've um, read Howl and I I love uh, Electric Kool Aid Acid uh, tests uh, and um, the the research and the psychedelics that came out of that and I, I the the perspective that that came out of that and the art that he mm -hmm. like like the poetry that he made just talking into a, a recorder in a van crossing the country like i i feel like that would be such a cool experience yeah absolutely well now it's your turn to ask my next guest a question Ooh, okay um it can be about anything you would like it to be let me see question for the next person um i i usually like to know uh, from every every queen every drag artist every king what their their number one diva is or devo uh, like there there's usually it's like uh, what Riddy repartee calls your your diva that can do no wrong Mm -hmm. there's always going to be one person that like it doesn't matter if they run over a, a, a dog with a, a car <laughs> who, who's that person that really can do no wrong for you yeah well in order to expand the community i am now asking my guests who they would like to hear on a future episode of block talk Ooh, future episode of block talk um <laughs> Hmm. I don't know. That's a good. I feel like I'd love to to hear either uh, someone who's international or or uh, a drag king of sorts. We're we're so few in in the drag king community, mm -hmm. and that to to keep putting the spotlight on them and to keep getting there. There's one drag king called Demon Daddy, okay. and the. Their their makeup is really good, the, and their looks are are quite well put together. And I there are a couple times I'm looking at at their pictures, and I just think, ooh, <laughs> Get a little hot under the collar. <laughs> but I I'd love to to pick that person's brain. All right, uh, we'll we'll add it to the list. Where can we find you on social media? I am on. Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram, all under Shirley U, period, J-E-S-T. And I've, I've been looking at some extra stuff. I'm, I, I at least broadcast uh, my live show every Thursday through all those mm -hmm. platforms. Uh, but I've been thinking about getting myself on TikTok and Twitch. I'm not sh sure if I'm, if I'm ready yet or, or not. <laughs> Got to give it a shot. <laughs> but, <laughs> but yeah, you, you can search for me on... Uh, Facebook, YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram under Shirley You Jest, 
and see all the social media that I have to offer. And hopefully, I, um, you know what it is? I, I feel like the sale for TikTok has to go through. That I, I mean, I, I know that my data has already been mine. I'm sure has been mined by Google 12 times over. So absolutely. So, so like what, what use is it for me to not give it to China? <laughs> But um, I'm fairly certain this this sale has happened. I'm not, I just don't know the transfer of that power has happened. Yeah. Well, <laughs> there's a lot of transfer of power that I'm sure are confusing people. That's true. Uh, well, it was an absolute pleasure chatting with you. Pleasure chatting with you too, Michael. Thank you so much. This is wonderful. A huge thanks to Shirley for chatting. Subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, SoundCloud, or Stitcher, and leave us a review while you're there. Make sure you engage with me on social media and tell me your favorite episode so far. If you have any questions or comments, drop me a line at theaterthenow.com via our question link. Like, listen, love. Until next time, I'm Michael Block, and that was Block Talk.